All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast. I'm kind of one-earing it today. My left ear is fucked up. How's your head? How's your head holding it together? I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking just about the thoughts. I'm talking about the actual structure, the, the machinery, the, the piece itself. How's your head piece working out in terms of the rest of your body? I think I told you about my ear. I mean, I'm getting old, I guess, but uh, I don't know what the fuck is going on with it. Maybe it's, maybe it's allergies. I mean, maybe there's pressure on my face from the inside of my face. Maybe there's something going on with my jaw. All I know is I got a rattle in my ear and I went to the ENT guy. Freaked out, went and paid out of pocket to see an ENT guy because I needed answers. And you know what usually happens when you do that? When you freak out, pay out of pocket to go get answers. Uh, they don't have any. It's the beginning of a long <laughs> relationship. Of it, It's weird, isn't it? When you go to the doctor and it's inconclusive or everything looks fine, yet something's fucked up. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to hope for something, but sometimes you would like a little, not even closure. It's not even closure. It's sort of like, oh, this is what this is. Let's just do this and that should do it. As opposed to, I don't know what the fuck this is. Let's try this and see what happens. And call me after it doesn't work. And then we'll try another thing. Then you'll come in for the other test. And then if that doesn't work, we'll have to take your head off and send it out to the lab, the whole head. And then they'll have to see what's up. They'll put it through all the machines. And then you'll, yeah, it's going to be a little uncomfortable and you're not going to be able to work for a few days. But uh, when the head gets done, you come back in, we put it back on and it should be working good. But that's pricey. All right. This is a new thing that they're doing with the taking off the head. But it's re- it's relaxing because you don't know what's going on. The whole time, you're not even going to be with it. You're just going to be laying there headless in a suspended state on machines while we clean out your head. Okay? How much is that going to cost? How much you got? Today on the show, I talked to Alan Ruck. Now, most you know Alan Ruck. All right. You've seen him in dozens of things for the past like 35 years. He's always going to be known as Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. That's who he is. But you remember throughout most of your life, you'd see him in a movie and you'd be like, oh, there's that guy. And uh, well, he's Connor Roy on Succession, which I've watched the first three episodes of because that's what I, I get the privilege. And man, it, it goes, man. I'm, I'm in. But now I got to wait. So I've been playing the guitars and I'm doing a live show on next week. I'm doing a, a show at Largo with me and Vivino and uh, Ned and uh, Schwartzel, Brandon. And we're going to um, lay out the jams again and have some comedy. I, uh, May, uh, Maggie May is going to be on the show and I, I'm getting Bobby Lee out. I'm getting Bobby Lee out to Largo. He's never done Largo before. So Bobby Lee will be at Largo with me. He's only doing like 15 minutes, but I talked him into it. That's on the 19th, Tuesday. I can give you the song rundown if you want. We've been working on songs. Rehearsed with Jimmy the other night. Me and Vivino. Ned Brower on drums. Brandon Schwartzel on bass. Vivino on guitar. Me on guitar. And I'm singing. But I always get nervous when Vivino comes because he's the real deal. What am I? You know, I and, and I swear to God, no matter what amp I bring to rehearsal and no matter what amp I bring to the gig, it always cuts out. It feels like it always cuts out when Jimmy's playing. And and then I was thinking about it. Is, is it possible that my amplifier is resonating my insecurity? That it's literally like, you know, we'll just, we'll just, you know, maybe we won't. Let's just, let's just be quiet. Let's just. Let's not make a spectacle of ourselves. Is that is that happening? Is that an electrical possibility to where my amp gets insecure? Jimmy knows what he's doing. I don't know fucking anything. You know, I don't know about the guitars I own. I don't know about the amps I own. I've just accumulated stuff, most of it free for one reason or another, and I enjoy playing, but but I'm finally like I'm a little more relaxed. We didn't need to rehearse as much this time. And we're going to jam before, you know, before the show. But Jimmy Vivino, like he said something to me the last time we played. It's like we, we were 
We were communicating. We were interacting. We were talking like this interactive relationship between guitars. And I felt it yesterday at rehearsal. I'm like, oh, man, just relax. Listen to where he's going. And, you know, you can fucking step out a little bit and fill in some holes and, you know, go back and forth. He's going to he knows how to do this. And it was amazing. So that's at Largo on Tuesday, the 19th. I have no idea if there's tickets left. But the the song list is we're going to do a little blues jam at the beginning. Come out to. Now we're going to do Slippin' and Sliding, Buddy Holly's version, because it was one of my dad's favorites, and he can't remember uh, too much, so I thought I'd remember it for him. And then we're going to do Mystery Man, a Tom Petty B-side, I would say, from the first album, I believe, uh, one of my favorites. We're doing No Fun, The Stooges. We're going to do the Jimmy Reed song, Little Rain, which the Stones covered on their last record, but we're going to do our own version, I believe. Jimmy corrected it pointed out to me that sometimes when guys play blues if they make a mistake they commit to the mistake and jimmy reed sort of made a mistake on his version of little rain and then the stones laid into that mistake but i guess the deal what we're going to do is we're going to fix it we're going to play a fixed version of jimmy reed's little rain and we're going to do uh uh the running shoes by the fabulous thunderbirds um which is a riff on a howlin wolf song meet me at the bottom i think and we're doing oh sweet nothing uh, Velvet Underground, close it out. So that's a pretty good song list, right? Swimming and Sliding, No Fun, Mystery Man, uh, Running Shoes, uh, and uh, Sweet Nothing. I think there's still some tickets left. Los Angeles for Largo. So that's that. I'm enjoying the playing. Is there something more that has to be said? Did I mention I'm on Sudafed? I'm on Sudafed. I fucking hiked today. I hiked it up the mountains. The weather's been fucking beautiful here. Just fucking beautiful. And I trot down listening to Bill Evans. Oh, my God. I'm all right. I just feel like something's pushing my face out from inside of my head. We'll have your head back in a couple of days. All right? Three days max. Lab's a little backed up. A lot of heads. A lot of heads. So Alan Ruck is here. Season three of Succession premieres this Sunday, October 17th on HBO. If you're not caught up, get caught up now on seasons one and two on HBO Max. I've seen the first three of the new season. Yeah, that's who I am. And I'm going to flaunt it. I'm going to flaunt it in your face. I've seen three already. Yeah, I got screeners. I'm press, man. I am press. And Alan Ruck plays uh, Connor Roy. But you know him. You know Alan. I'm going to talk to him right now. You have a lot of guitars. I mean, obviously you play. I play. I'm okay. And it's like I'm not a collector. I do amass them. But I got to be honest with you. You like, like tellies, huh? Well, I've got a few tellies. I've, I've, I've come more to be a... Uh, I like Gibson. I like that... That Gibson at the end, that gold top, it's a reissue with the P90s on it. Do you play? Uh, not for public consumption, but you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, yeah. I fiddle. Yeah, it's me too. Yeah. But I, I mean, I've been trying to play out a little bit. I have I have a very funny thing. I have a pig nose travel guitar. Oh, yeah. But it has the-, the uh, Amp built in? Yeah, but the, uh, the body of it is perfect. It's just small and lovely. And then um, the neck, is, yeah. it's like a Gibson. And, oh, full and, neck. Yeah, it, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's lovely. It just feels great. So I went to this guy, I went to Luthier, and I'm like, I want you to drill this out. I want you to put extra pickups in. He's like, no, no, not going to do it. Not going to do it. <laughs> I'm like, why not? He's like, you're trying to reinvent the wheel, man. Yeah. He said, just appreciate this for what it is. Oh, so you wanted to use it as a regular guitar. I wanted to, yeah. I yeah. wanted to put in like two new, uh, uh, two extra- uh, Like humbuckers? Uh, or? Yeah. Ah. You know, and then, um, you know, put in switches and everything. And he's like, no. He said, you're talking like $1,500, $2,000. go get a regular yeah, just, he said, "Just go buy it." Do you have an uh, Do you have an electric? Uh, no, I, I I had like twenty years ago. I I took lessons and I was starting to play. I, I my older son lives in New York. Yeah, and then I just like gave him everything. I gave him uh, a Tele and a Strat. Yeah, and um, I have a beautiful old. He has it. Uh, a nineteen thirty seven uh, Regal Dobro. Oh wow! Is he playing it? Yeah, I mean he uh, he, I, he I don't think he messes around too much anymore. Uh, um. 
he's getting his master's in education, so I just I don't think he's messing around. Yeah. With it. But what's that kind? Of, I actually don't like it. He's got that guitar that has the round ovation. Plast- yeah, I don't like them. I never like them either. They slide. They slide. I just you never. Can't... I thought I never thought it was a gimmick from the beginning. And oddly, I don't like their electrics. I don't like their basses. I don't like anything about Ovation. My uh, my little girl, my 11-year-old, just started to take lessons, and I bought her a baby tailor with, yeah. with a pickup in it. Sure. And it has a slightly rounded back. Yeah. And it, there's something about that rounded nice. back, the sweet sound oh, really? out of that little guitar. Yeah. It's not plastic, though. No, no. It's all no, huh. lovely wooden guitar. Well, that's good. She's going to be musical? Yeah. I mean, she's you know she's doing musicals. She's, got, she's with this little group called Yada. Mm. Youth Academy Dramatic Arts, yada yada yada. Eleven years old. Yeah, yeah, and she's like singing and dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. So you have two new kids. Yeah, I do. I have I have a thirty three year old daughter Emma. I've got a twenty seven year old boy Sam. I've got an eleven year old girl Vesper, and I got a seven year old boy Larkin. And, and uh, I'm done. And I got clipped, man. <laughs> well, about time. <laughs> how's that? Uh, how's your energy holding up for all that? I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's just no getting around it. It's just like that that alarm goes off in the morning, and I'm like, oh, what? What did I do? Yeah, <laughs> I, I when um I actually met Mireille while I was in the middle of getting divorced. This from is my, your new your yeah, new wife. Yeah, yeah. We were uh, you met her in the middle of the divorce. Yeah, grabbed hold. I, I, I you know I'm getting divorced from my first wife Claudia, and I'm like I'm never doing this again. I'm never doing this again. And I meet this like beautiful younger woman who's yeah. flirting me up, and all of a sudden yeah. you know I'm, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. And I told a friend of mine, a friend from back east, I said I'm going to get married, and she wants to have kids, so we're going to have some kids. Yeah. And he said, "You are a glutton for punishment." <laughs> Because yeah. he he has kids as old as my big kids, and uh-huh. he's like, "What are you? Why? Why you, are you, doing you got this? through? You're through the tunnel, yeah, man. Yeah, you yeah. made you made it. Yeah, and yeah. you're in one piece. Yeah, what, what's wrong with what you? you? But anyway, I'm I, I'm having a really good time. You are. Yeah. So, is there a difference between your approach? I mean, is it a different experience? Yeah, I th- I, I believe that I am uh, at least a little more present. I mean, yeah. in the old days, I was worried about you know making money or you know who I thought I was mm. or you yeah, know yeah. don't you know who I think I am right. and all that horseshit and uh, self involved. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then everything took care of itself, and you know, those kids turned out okay. They turned out well. Yeah, they're great. So. This show, like, you know, I I remember the first season, like, people were kind of talking about it, and then I, I started watching it, and I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Who's writing this thing? Yeah. And uh, I just love it. It's very satisfying. Yeah, good. I think there's something elevated about the language. I think there's something almost Shakespearean about it. Like, I don't, like, I don't know that these people, because you're all such good fucking actors, I don't know that people in this world necessarily talk like this. Well, I just appreciate it when people have a large vocabulary, but say "fuck off" all the time. I sure. just think it's a nice counterpoint. Well, I just think there's a you know there's a beautifully elevated sort of language of power going on in in, in title. I just I think the whole thing is very smart. Yeah. Uh, when you, what was the process of you getting this role? Because I I don't see you that often. I know you're around. Yeah, I'm around. <laughs> but usually, I mean, I'm like, like I'm like cockroaches, man. Yeah. You're never gonna get rid of me. I mean, you're definitely a lifer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a survivor, dude. I am. Um, but what was it? How does this happen? Because, like, in the last few years, you've been doing mostly episodic stuff, right? Yeah, I, um, I actually coattailed on my my wife on Mireille. Uh, we were doing a play together in New York. Uh, uh, Is she an actress? Oh obviously? yeah, good, good one, Mireille Enos. She, oh, okay. uh, you, know, you know that show, The Killing? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she played Lyndon. She was the, the oh, okay. lead. Oh okay, all right, yeah. okay, all right. So she's she's really really good. Anyway, so you're doing theater. Yeah, so I was in the middle of getting divorced and I was losing my mind and I was like, I got to do something. I got to get out of the house. Yeah. So I audition- I was living outside New York and I auditioned for a couple of plays and I got this one and I didn't really have any feeling for it at all. But I'm like, I'm going to do it because I got to do something. Which one? It was called Absurd Person Singular by Alan Akeborn. And, okay. Um, uh, it was a remount of something they did in the early 70s. And I really, honestly, I just didn't get it. But I didn't care because I was like, I'm going to go do work. It. Well, I'm going to work. Yeah. And Mireille almost didn't do it because she was doing another Broadway show at night. So she was like, do I really want to you know, work all day and all night? And, but anyway, so she did. And the best thing was that I met her. And uh-huh. there we go. So then she's younger than me. And she... Um, Pretty much right after we met, she's like, I'm going out to California because my manager says I really need to do that now. And so I came out here just, you know, chasing her. Yeah. And um, 
And then, <laughs> you know, before you got married. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, people are like, oh, do you know who she's with? She's, you know, because they thought yeah. I was like New York guy. And, you yeah. know, people forgot that yeah. the casting directors out here kind of forgot about me. And they're like, do you know she's with him? Oh, bring him. What? Hey, you know what he'd be good for? Bring him in for that thing, you know? And so then all of a sudden I was starting to get more action yeah. because I was coattailing off my wife, yeah. who was like, she was like smoking hot, new girl in town, yeah. gr- really cute, great actress, you know? Right. And then, um, so I started doing episodic yeah. so forth. And uh, I wound up doing uh, The Exorcist with Gina Davis, the TV show. Yeah, what, was, what network was that on? Fox. Okay. And uh, we Who'd were- you play, the father? No, I- Yeah, the, well, the it, well, priest? It, did you, no. Did did you see it at all? Okay, no. spoiler alert. Here's the thing. She was Reagan grown up. Okay, okay. But, but she like reinvented herself after all that trauma. And you're the husband? I was the husband, but the devil came back. Oh, for her. The, the devil didn't quit. Oh, right, of course. Pazuzu said, fuck you. I'm yeah, going yeah. in round two. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I, pl- I played the, the, the brain damaged husband. Yeah. Like I was supposed to be like a pretty smart guy, corporate right. guy. Right. And then the devil came and like dropped something on my head. And, yeah. You know. Okay. So anyway, I was doing that and I was flying home every weekend. To New York. Upstate? No, no, no. Chicago. Uh, we shot it in oh. Chicago. So I was flying home every weekend. It wasn't so bad. You're flying back and forth from Chicago to L.A. Chicago to L.A. My wife is doing a, a But you show. know Chicago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I felt like Rumpelstiltskin because like everything was the same except everybody was really old. <laughs> and it's like, what happened? I've been asleep for 30 I, years. I know, yeah. Uh, uh, so anyway, I'm flying back and forth. My wife was like really maxed out because she was working on the show that they were doing like 15 hour days, 16 yeah. hour days. Plus she was being single mom at night and she was played out. So I come home this one weekend. She said, our little boy at the time was yeah. like two. Yeah. And she said, uh, Larkin's got mommy and me music class and I want you to go with us on Monday before you go back to Chicago. I said, you bet. Yeah. So then Monday morning, my manager calls up. And he's like, Alan, I got you this audition today for this HBO show. And I'm like, Wow, honey, uh, Mark's got me an audition for an HBO show. Yeah. And she bursts into tears. She just like erupts in tears. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry, I can't, I can't. Oh, wow. I made a promise, I made a promise. <laughs> yeah. I promised my wife I'd go to mommy and me. So we go and you have to take your shoes off and leave your phone outside. So we do that, you know, we're like banging drums for yeah. an hour and yeah. so forth. I come out, there's like seven text messages. There's there's five emails, there's yeah. all, you know, there's, there's, there's voicemails. And he says, just go to Adam McKay's house before you leave town, before you go to LAX, just drop by his house. They really want to see you. And I said, I really don't know the material. He said, don't worry about it. Just go. And so I go. And, and this woman named Francine Maisler was the casting director. Yeah. I'd, I'd, she'd put me in something before. So I guess she thought of me for this. Mm. I said, Adam, I'm sorry, but I'm really, I don't know the material. Yeah. He says, you, you, you know the situation, you know the, the, right? Yeah. I said, yeah. He said, make it up. Yeah. Whatever comes out of your mouth, just make it up. <laughs> yeah. So I did that, you know, except for one page that I had. What looked was at. the situation? What scene was it? Oh, I, I can't remember now, but it was just like like uh, back and forth stuff between me and my father, right. or, or me and my my siblings. It but was your just, sense of the character was that this is the son that I was, knew. I knew that he was the old. He was the fir- only child by the first marriage. He was not really involved in the business. And that's really all I knew. And then they said, this part will grow over time. Mm. So I was like, oh, well, all okay. right. So, yeah. <laughs> and then um, the only the thing I keyed into and in, actually in, in the sides that they gave me is I saw this thing that said, Dad, there's this job I really I really like. It's called President of the United States. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, well, he's he's putting his old man on, right? Yeah, yeah. And Adam McKay said, oh, no. <laughs> He's deadly serious. And then I knew, I like, oh, this guy is damaged. This guy is yeah. delusional. Right. And then I had a, a key in. Right. And uh, so then I, I, I you know, we, we ran through a couple of things. And he said, that's great, Alan. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I thought, well, okay. And then I fly back to Chicago. And by the time I land, they said they didn't want you to do it. Uh, that's great. So, I mean, I mean, it fell out of the sky. Right. I mean, it just fell into my lap. And, uh, and now it's a big thing. It's a big thing. Like every 10 years or so with me, somebody from the top shelf says, hey, Al, come, come up here. Hang out with us for a little while, you know? Just hang out. Well, I mean, I, it's, it's, I, it's, when I looked at like the resume or what, you know, the, the filmography, it is sort of interesting that like if you think about it, if it wasn't for Spin City, right, do you think you would have stayed in it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the thing was, I had a real low point, like 91, 92. They, they were bad. There was like, uh, I mean, I became a bartender for a little while. Really? Yeah. And that's after Bueller. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. 
Well, because why? Nothing was going on? Nothing was happening. I'm gonna, I'm just there was, gonna, listen, yeah. I came out here in 1989. I was, uh, I'd gone from Chicago to New York. I was doing okay in New York. But well, then, then, so you started in Chicago? Yeah. So like, how does it go? Where, where are you from originally? Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, do you still have family there? No, well, I actually had my stepmom, my dad's uh, wife. She was never really my stepmom, but my, yeah, my dad's, my dad's. Are you wife in touch with her? You go back there. She's in, she's in a, a, an assisted living place, uh, uh, you know, for, oh, for uh, right. what do they call it, um, memory care. Oh, really? Is that what it's called? Yeah, the, when people have Alzheimer's and so forth. Oh, really? Yeah, they call so it memory it's care. It's a specific place. Yeah, and you know, it's just the, it's like lockdown. It's 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 like going to San Quentin because right. the, it, of the they COVID. Can't, they they can't, they, oh, nobody right, in, nobody right, out. Right, right. So, yeah. but Cleveland, when you were growing up, great city. Um, it was the reason I lived in this uh, suburb called Parma, which was later uh, voted one of the most bigoted uh, cities in the United States. Yeah, but. Um, when I when I was growing up, there was so much money being made in Cleveland. Yeah, um, steel mills, right, auto plants. Right, so right. people paying all these taxes. So the politicians were like, they felt compelled to give the money back to the people in some way. Yeah. So it was education. So we had a, a dynamite school system. Huh. We had everything. We had every music program. We had drama, full drama program. We had every like vocational program. Like corporate kid- responsibility at its height. Yeah, I mean, and then as soon as like. Or no, I guess it was I graduated. I graduated in '74, you know, yeah. and then so as soon From as high school, yeah. Oh, so it's like hippie time. Oh yeah, yeah. And then like as soon as the industry died out, you know, all the money went away, and all the school systems just crumbled. So you got in it under the wire. I did. I left. But that. like, because I go back. I've been there a few times, and and I know that there's this attempt to rejuvenate downtown. I don't get m- much out of downtown. But uh, because I, I've done comedy at the, at Nick's Hilarities right there. Okay. And on, what's that one street that's all redone? Sixth Street or- Euclid? Or, uh, it's all, no, it's all been re kind of- Is that where like Theater Row is? Uh, close. It's by the I stadium. But but I, I, I do a lot of these cities that were once great cities and then they've just taken a beat and- and they try to rebuild, and sometimes it takes, and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, I, I, the thing when I was growing up, I had relatives in Columbus, and Columbus was a cow town. It was the state capital, but it was really like Hicksville, yeah. you know. And then, and Cleveland was, you know, big bustling, industrious town, million so, people plus, close to Chicago, kind of. Yeah, right? like, like, like you know, all those that, that whole Rust Belt, Chicago, yeah. Detroit, yeah, uh, uh, Cleveland, yeah. Uh, Buffalo, right. all, all that. Um, and then, you know, they all just, except for Chicago, just, you know, faded. What was hard. your old man's business? He actually worked when I was young, for the most part, he worked for a pharmaceutical job house. Huh. So he was uh, a skilled laborer. He was like the cook mixing up big batches of drugs. Oh, really? Yeah. He wasn't a chemist, but they'd give him the recipe and he'd sure. be like, right, 400 pounds of right. yeah. sugar and, and yeah. then this stuff. And then, so they made everything. They made like Where's kids my vitamins. Mixer? Yeah. They made barbiturates. They yeah. made everything, you know. And so I couldn't get away with shit when I was a kid because he like knew like every substance, what it did to you, what it did to your eyes, you know. So oh, really? I, yeah, I, so I didn't. I started. I didn't start doing this yeah. until I went away to college. Yeah. Um, but anyway, he did that. My mom was a school teacher. Oh, okay. Yeah. And was it, you have brother and sisters? I had an older sister. She passed oh, a long sorry. time ago. Yes, oh, a long okay. time ago. Huh? Yeah. So when does the acting start in high school? My sister had was doing plays before me, and I was watching her, and I just kind of thought I thought I could do it, you know. Yeah. And uh, I just kind of put that in my hip pocket. And then, you know, like for most people, junior high, middle school was hell. And then by the time I got to high school, um, I wasn't an athlete. We we weren't fancy people. We didn't have any money. I wasn't yeah. one of the cool kids. Yeah. I, I wasn't, I was kind of musical, but I didn't really play an instrument. I just sang in a choir. Yeah. I didn't have a thing that was me. Right. You know? And then so I- So tra- were you just dr- adrift? Yeah. Like, as so they say. Did you have some friends? Oh yeah, but but really, once I found theater, I I auditioned for a play because I was like, well, my sister did this. Yeah, there's tryouts. I I signed up for an acting class as soon as I got to high school. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I don't really want to take English. And I'm, they had them. They had them. Yeah. So I did that, and then I found out I could do it, and I'm like, oh, this is it. This is it right here. <laughs> you know, and I never really let go of it. You know, and it never never really occurred you to me just, to do anything else. Did you learn anything? Like, did you did? Were you just totally winging it? 
Or you did take some classes that you were able to apply some kind of- We learned some stuff in high school. Our drama coach is pretty good. I mean, just like basic stagecraft of like, like you're going to have to learn to project your voice. Yeah. You're going to have to learn like how to not upstage yourself. You're going to have to learn how to play out. I mean, yeah. just, just like basic mechanics, yeah. you know? So I learned all that stuff. And then I was actually probably a better actor earlier in college, and then they started- teach me all this stuff and then you become really self-conscious you know you're thinking yeah. about your voice and how you're moving and right yeah, yeah. you know uh, you, you think you know how to to break down a text you don't know you don't know anything yeah and then i actually uh in chicago i but took, you had a natural sense yeah i mean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in chicago you i what? took i took acting class with a really a really terrific teacher who taught inner technique and that's where i like started to get the bullshit is, out of my work is that in, you went to college no, no, no. I went to Chicago. Uh, I went to college downstate in uh, Champaign-Urbana. And then right after college, I went right to Chicago because I knew people doing plays there. I didn't know anybody Did in Did you do LA. theater in college? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, play after play after play after play. So you were working hard. Yeah. I mean, that was that was the best thing is I was constantly on stage. But still just with the, the mechanics of the high school. Well, just, you know, I mean, just some bad habits and just like not not rooting it down in me, yeah. you know? I right. mean, yeah. yeah. And so then I went to Chicago and this uh, guy named, he's no longer with us, named Edward K. Martin uh, was teaching acting classes at this uh, theater that my friend Bob Falls used to have. He's now run the Goodman for like 30 years, but, jeez, uh, longer than that, 35 years. But at the time he had this small theater called the Wisdom Bridge Theater and uh, yeah. this guy Ed was teaching sort of in conjunction with that theater and uh, I took classes with him and I started to... I started to feel it. I started to get into my zone. Oh, so, really? Yeah. How old were you then? 25, 26. So like Chicago now, like it, it's always been a good like comedy improv scene. Great and, theater town. Yeah, I know. Like I know guys from there. I like I'm friends with Let's. Oh, you yeah. Know, and, and, you know, he's a Steppenwolf guy. Oh, right? yeah. So where did you work out there? Mostly I did, I did a couple of plays at the Wisdom Bridge. I yeah. worked at this place called the Apollo which was a small commercial house. I don't know that it exists anymore. Mm. Uh, I worked at the Goodman. I worked at um, the Drury Tane, the Drury Lane Water Tower Theater. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did a play. Uh, I did a musical. One of the two musicals I've done called One Shining Moment. Yeah, which was. Uh, a musical, basically, it was like a bunch of high school kids putting on a tribute to JFK. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 yeah, but we, you know, we were like pretending to be high school kids. Oh. Pretending to put on a play. Oh, it was, I get it. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like our gang. Yeah. So it's so a multi-leveled performance. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, did you work at Steppenwolf? No, no, no. Or was around? No, I just worked around town and then I uh, I knew those guys. The angry guys at Steppenwolf? They, they, they were so they were pretty funny, you know. Um, Got an uh, intensity was, to that place. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know how it is now really. Yeah. But, uh, uh, Who'd you know? Well, I worked with Malkovich in a production of Streetcar, but I played, we didn't have any scenes together, Yeah. but I played the paper boy okay. and he played Mitch. Yeah. And our warm up was we would smoke cigarettes and we would play... Um, Vegas style solitaire like I would buy the deck from him for 52 cents yeah and then for every uh, uh, card that I got up he'd have to give me a nickel okay you know so yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was the warm up that, that yeah. was how we warmed up yeah, yeah. and lots of cigarettes uh huh and who else were yeah, your peers in that area? I knew um, I knew all the guys that remained. So I knew Billy Peterson. I knew Gary Cole. I knew Ted Levine. Mm. I knew Amy Morton. I knew um, that was what theater remains. They called it remains. It was uh, something that Bill Peterson started. And uh, Bill Peterson from Manhunter and yeah, the yeah. procedural shows. I yeah, just yeah. watched Manhunter again. He is good. He is good. Yeah. Yeah. And I I worked. I did a a, a TV pilot with uh, Dennis Farina. It oh, might yeah. it, it might have been one of the first things he did was a pilot that Robert Conrad shot called um, Hard Knocks. Oh yeah, and it didn't get, it didn't get picked up, but we had a really fun time that summer. We went out to this little town on the Mississippi River called Mount Carroll, Illinois, and we shot at this defunct uh, college. Yeah, and it was like a military academy. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Farina, like, was he a cop? Oh, a serious cop. He was like, um, what do they call that bunko? I think that's that's like the. Um, the division that like busts flim flam con okay. men and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that that yeah. breaks down cons. Yeah, uh, that's what he was. 
He was something, but like Billy Peterson used to say, how come we never read your name in the paper when all these people are getting busted? So we think that he was like kind of a sub Rosa kind of uh-huh. like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, yeah. Undercover? Yeah. Trying to bust you guys? <laughs> I, I don't think he gave Look, a shit about yeah. like what we were in. He was going to bust us for all smoking flim, weed. They're all flim flam men. Yeah, well, basically. The whole thing's a con. Yeah, it is. Because <laughs> um, I saw him, I watched Thief again recently, the James Con movie. That might have been his first thing. Yeah, he's got like a little piece in that one of the yeah. bad guys. Yeah. Under a Prosky. Is that Robert Prosky? Robert Prosky. He and and I think uh, Farina might have been an advisor on that. Oh yeah. For oh, Michael right. Mann. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well that's later he it. cast yeah. he cast Farina in this uh crime story or whatever it was. It was a TV show in Vegas. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when do you uh when's the break happen? How's that? How do you get out of Chicago? So I was doing plays and like little pieces in movies because Chicago was a hot movie town. Yeah. Oh, then, right. You know, right. it was right. a location it's, town. It shoots well. It's a beautiful city. Yeah. I love it. I've grown to really love it. Yeah. The weather sucks, but it's gorgeous. It's to a look real at. place, you know. And it like, has personality. Exactly. That's what I mean. Like, you know, it's uh as far as cities go, like there's only a few in America that like, like have its New, own. New person. Orleans, Chicago, there's New York. New yeah, York for sure. Uh, like Los, Los Angeles not so much, but Chicago's dug in, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Los Angeles has a thing, but it's not like Chicago, where you like you got your neighborhoods. You got like yeah. Chicago. It's like the people grow out of the city there, right like, out, of, a, right out of the ground. Exactly. Yeah. You, you know, you know Chicago people. Yeah. Well, what happened was, I, I uh, people came through town about 1984, uh, casting uh, directors um, Meg Simon and Fran Cuman from New York came through town looking yeah. for young guys for Neil Simon's show, Biloxi Blues. Oh yeah, I remember that show. So they came through, and I auditioned. Fisher Stevens was that? Yeah, he wanted. He was in some iteration. Yeah, of it, yeah. yeah. Uh, he was in. He was in the Neil Simon machine at that time. You right. know, I'm working with him now. Oh yeah, he's in. Yeah, he's, he's, he's yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's not wild. That's great. It's like they say: if you live long enough, you work with everybody three times. That's what is that true? Well, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, I'm just hoping I don't run out of you know. Well, I'm trying chances. to remember what I saw him in. I think it was the other one. What's the other one? The other Brighton Beach memoirs. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. that was it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was at, yeah, he did he did a lot of that. Anyway, so they came through town and like a month or two later they said, Look, we'd like to have Alan come to New York for a callback. Yeah. For Neil Simon and for Manny Eisenberg and for Gene Sachs. Yeah. And I said, I'm not gonna go to my uh <laughs> to my uh Chicago agent. She said, What are you what what are you talking about? Yeah. And I said, Look, it's been like three times now I've flown myself to New York for auditions. Yeah. And every time they say thanks a lot and I say, I'm out three hundred bucks. Right. Right? I know that feeling. I yeah. used to do it from New York to LA. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, so I I don't want to do that. Why don't they fly yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, if yeah, they, they want to see want me, so why, don't, why don't they fly me? Yeah, yeah. You know, and so then she called up Man, uh, Manny Eisenberg and she said, look, at this, this is how Alan feels about it. And Manny said, look, <laughs> tell him to fly himself in. If he doesn't get the part, I'll, I'll reimburse him for his flight. And I was like, okay, you know, all right. And it was the only time I got audition. Uh, I, I got uh, uh, offered a, a role on the spot because uh-huh. I auditioned for him once, and then they said, "Come back after lunch. Look at this other scene. Come back again." Came back again, and so then, uh, and I had to sing in that play. I was yeah. so nervous. I was like, "Do you mind if I sit down?" Because literally, my knees were knocking. Oh, really? Yeah. And I said, "Can I sit down?" They said, "Yeah, sure, sit down." So I sing, and then you know, uh, Gene Sachs comes up to the stage and he says, uh, "So just I tell you what, start singing every day." You're going to get more comfortable with it. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. I said, okay, okay, okay. And I walk out to the wings and Meg Simon says, wait for me, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. And then she came out and she said, did you did you know he was offering you the part? And I said, I thought he might have been, but I didn't want to make an ass out of myself if it wasn't true. You know? was, he might have just been telling me to keep up the singing. Yeah, just sing, kid. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. life is short. Right. But I, I, my joke is to this day, I don't know if they really wanted me or Manny didn't want to pay that 300 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was it. So that was Biloxi Blues. That moved me to New York and then it got me, you know. Was that the first run of it or was Yeah, it? yeah I was in original cast. Oh, wow. And then I got a you know a, a bigger agent. Uh, I was with William Morris for yeah. a while, and um, then uh, Bueller happened right after that because I had met John Hughes a couple of years earlier in Chicago. He yeah. was going to do the Breakfast Club as like an indie, and I met and auditioned for him. Yeah, and then uh, during that process, he met Molly Ringwald, and then just like he'd found his muse, right? He wrote Sixteen Candles over a weekend for her. You in know. Chicago, yeah. he met her. Yeah. She was Chicago. No, I think I think maybe she came into town. She was either New York or L.A. I'm not sure, but I think it was like uh, there's this this 
movie that this guy's doing in Chicago. It's yeah. his young kids, you know, so and I so that showed up. So you in you got how was that audition? What was that? For oh for Buer. Yeah, well then uh the the casting uh directors, Jane Jenkins and Janet Hershenson, uh didn't want to see me because they said, Look, we know how old he is. We know these these are high school kids. We how know. old were you? I was twenty eight. Yeah. They said, We know how old he is. And my agent at the time, Myrna Jacoby, said Look, he plays opposite Broderick every night. They look like they're the same age. Broderick's going to be playing a teenager. Which, in what? In Biloxi? In Biloxi. Yeah. And they said, oh, okay, all right, we'll see him. So I went in, <laughs> auditioned for them, and they were like, oh, no, that was good. That was good. Yeah. And so then they had me come to a callback where I was reading with Matthew for John. Yeah. And it was, you know, I mean, Matthew and I had spent, uh, that was probably late June or early July. Yeah. So we, we'd been together for six months. And so we shared a sense of humor. Yeah. We, you know, we had some history together because so many times you show up like first day of work and it's like, this is your wife and you have to, you know, or this is your best friend <laughs> in the world and you have to like create instant relationship. Yeah. You know, we didn't have to do that. We just were, we were yeah. just us. And uh, you were friends. Yeah. So it went well and that was it. And that's history. And that, but that wasn't your first movie. No, I did. I did a movie called Bad Boys with Sean Penn. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Where um, I gotta rewatch that. Is that good? I, I think I think it's pretty good. I mean, um, that was his first movie and your first movie. No, it was my first movie, but uh, Sean had been in at least Ridgemont High. Uh, yeah, he did Fast Times. Yeah, and he might. Oh, and Taps. He did Taps. Oh yeah, Taps with yeah. Uh, Cruz and uh, uh, Tim Hutton. Tim Hutton. Yeah, and George C. Scott. Did you ever work with George C. Scott? No, I never got to meet him. Oh. I met um, during Biloxi though. I met Rod Steiger. Oh wow! You know, and he uh, and Ginger Rogers came too. Oh wow! Yeah. And I was just like, I was dumbstruck. You know, she's yeah. like, "Hi, Ginger Rogers," and I was like, "Hi," <laughs> it's just stupid, you know. But uh, Rod Steiger came up and yeah. um, he said, "Hi, Rod Steiger." He was like, so he was very quiet. He was a little bit sad. He was like, <laughs> "Hi, Rod Steiger," and I said, "Hi, how are you?" And he said, and then he gave me the whole thing. He's, he's like, "Oh, I got a heart condition, and I got a, you know." Yeah. He said they're not letting me eat anything anymore. <laughs> and and I said, "Really?" And he opened up this thing, and it was like oatmeal. Yeah. And he, and he, he had the saddest look on his face. He was like, he showed me this. He was like. <laughs> <laughs> like and I'm like I'm so sorry, you know. He's like, yeah, me too. Oh my god. Yeah, but I met I met him. But uh, um, he was carrying around his oatmeal. Yeah, but you know, uh, I, my friend Richard Kind has this thing. I talked to him. He's yeah, I love him. He's, yeah. he's an American original. He he will go up to anybody. He, it doesn't matter how famous they are. It doesn't matter how powerful yeah. they are. And he'll stick out his hand and say, hi, Rich Kind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big fan. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my yeah. joke is like if, if Jesus came back, he'd say, Mr. Christ, I'm yeah. Rich Kind. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I really admire that because uh, a couple of times in my life, I've been around like really cool people and I've just been like a dork and been shy and happy yeah. to introduce myself. I had a chance to meet Tennessee Williams. Yeah. And um, we were in a bar, that that production of Streetcar. That oh, I, right. That right. I in played the paperboy in, in, in Chicago. Chicago. In Chicago, yeah. yeah. And we, there was this bar underneath the theater called yeah. Frank's Place, A Way of Life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, we're all crowded around him, you know, and the the wardrobe girl said to him, Mr. Williams, may I buy you a drink? And he said, oh, no, darling, 13 is my limit. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. I just should have said hi. I just, you know. Yeah, but you didn't. No, nah, I chickened out. It's all right. So I met Alan Rickman in, in, in London, and I told him that story about Tennessee Williams, and, and he said, well, I wouldn't put myself on the same shelf is Tennessee Williams? I said, yeah, but I would. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I so mean, hello. I talked to Ron Perlman once. I think he, one of his biggest regrets is not uh, spending time with Marlon Brando. Oh, come on. Yeah, yeah. He just like for his whole, I think it's plagued his whole life because he did that, the island of Dr. Moreau oh. with him. And, and Brando had taken, had made a joke about him because he had that horrible goat's head. <laughs> But like he had, he had sent some stuff over to the trailer, and Brando invited him over to you know hang out, and he didn't do it, and it, I think it just sticks with him. Oh yeah, he should have gone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and I, you should have talked to Tennessee Williams. I should have. I and 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 I missed my chance. Uh, years ago, Rob Lowe told me that he was like in. A, there used to be like a market on La Brea, I think, called Mayfair. Yeah, and it was just like some because he lived up on Mulholland. He lived up there, and he used to go to that little ice cream, Mashti Malone's. He used to go to that ice I cream know place. place. Yeah, and, I didn't um, know anyone goes there. Yeah, you know, Brando apparently was in there all the time, like eating just, triple scoops. No shit. Yeah, and uh, um, so he was. Uh, Rob was in some. Uh, it was some grocery store. I don't know. Maybe it was Ralph's. I don't know. Yeah, but anyways, he's in a grocery store right there in Hollywood, West Hollywood. 
And um, he comes around a corner and there's Marlon Brando reading a box of rice <laughs> And And this is like after he'd done um, Superman and it's like, I'm retired, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. And um, Rob's like, and he was like probably 17. Yeah. And he was like, hi, Mr. Brando. I, I'm Rob Lowe. I just want to introduce myself. I'm an actor too. And then he's like, uh-huh. <laughs> and then he, and he's like reading the ingredients on the riceroni, and then um, Rob says, "So, uh, do you think do you think you're ever going to act again?" He goes, oh, "Probably not." And that was it, you know. <laughs> you know, I think that ice cream place is still there. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, they have weird fa- flavors like orange blossom and rose water. Rose water. Yeah, yeah, they do have that. Yeah. So with Bueller, I mean, that's one of those roles where you know you're that guy for life. Yeah, yeah, and. Was that a problem for you? <laughs> for a while, yeah, because I mean, like in those years where I couldn't seem to scare up any work, I was like, oh, well, you know, I guess that was my shot. That this was, my... was the 90s? Yeah, I mean, that movie came out in 86, yeah. and then I kind of just like stumbled around New York, and I did like, uh, year, years ago, Yeah, like uh, uh, it's a long time ago, it's like 1988, I did a pilot in Thailand. Yeah about uh, photojournalists in Vietnam, and I really wanted it to go. Because in a way, it was kind of like, in a, in a network, like NBC kind of way, it was kind of like succession. It was dark. It was a drama, but it was like really darkly funny. I just, the things weren't going great, yeah. you know? And so the, the Bueller thing got to be a pain in my ass when people would bring it up during that period because I was like, well, that's it. I'm done. So I'll how did you cook. respond to him if people go, Cameron? I'd be like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yep. That's me. Listen, I came out here in 1989 uh, and um, oh, God. like yeah. instead of renting an apartment, I rented a little house because yeah. I, ha- I was doing this pilot with Nell Carter. Yeah. And I was old enough to know better, but I like listened to the, I bought the bullshit. Yeah. And um, like these guys at NBC were like, hey, but before we ever shot, before we rehearsed, before anything, yeah. they're like, hey, pal, what's it feel like to have a steady job? Hey, because yeah. she had a deal. Right. You know, like a pay or play deal. Yeah. You didn't. No. <laughs> and yeah. so we made this pilot and it just like, it stunk on ice. It was just, it was just bad. It was yeah. just bad. So it didn't get picked up and I was broke. I was flat ass broke. And so I went to an employment agency because I was like, I'm not going to sit around the house. I couldn't see. Yeah. It was like pilot season was over. It was yeah. like there, nothing was happening. So I was like, uh, I'll be I'll be damned. I'm, I'm going to make my car payment yeah. anyway. So I went to this place called Extra Help. Yeah. And uh, they found me a position at Sears Warehouse in East LA. And um, it's like a series of like little like cars that come chugging down from the warehouse yeah. into the sorting room where you put things like in bins to go on certain trucks and like number three that's portland number four that's seattle you know and it'll have a tag on it and sometimes it'll be like a bud vase that yeah. will weigh like an ounce yeah and sometimes it'll be a 12 foot long swing set in a box that'll weigh like 130 pounds Sears. yeah yeah and um i was skinnier then than i am now and i you know wore big glasses and um all, all the black guys that worked there were uh, Crips. Yeah. and For real. Yeah. yeah. And all the uh, Hispanic dudes that worked there were Latin kings. Yeah. You know, and like they would walk by me and say, King Love. And I, I would, I didn't know what to do, so I would say, King Love. And they're like, no, no, Holmes, you can't say that. You can't say that. <laughs> yeah. this, no, you're going you're gonna to get hurt. They yeah. were like trying to take care of me. Yeah. And uh, the, all the black guys called me Superman. Yeah. Because I had on these big glasses and they were like, Superman, take off that Clark Kent disguise and pick that shit up. You know, they, yeah, had, they yeah. had some fun with me. Yeah. And then I did that. I did that for like three, four months. And then. Uh, that was the that was the day job. Oh, that yeah. Was the, that was the I, period I, where I, you were. I, I was I was showing up. Did they. Right. But did people recognize you from the movie? Yeah. Yeah. And I just I was like, if I if they, I can't if, imagine. No, if they know, if they know that like I. I actually was working in movies yeah. and then I somehow let it slip. I said, maybe they'll just kill me for being stupid. Yeah. You know? So yeah. like uh, this one guy was talking to this other kid and he's like, you ever see that movie Fat Buford's Day Off? Yeah. And, I was, and he was like, what? He's like, he said, this motherfucker looks like the dude with the dad car. You know? And I was like, oh no. I just like trying to crawl. You could smoke then. I'm like sitting there smoking indoors and I was like trying to like make myself invisible. The dad car. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, then, then you know, I did that. Oh, I just boy. got humble, and I did that for like three months, three and a half months or wow. something. And then I got a call. It's like, do you want to go do uh, a sitcom pilot? And I was like, yes. Yeah. 
and uh, and then I so I did that pilot, and then I did uh, Young Guns too, like right back to back. Bam, bam! I got two jobs, like bam, bam, back to back. Yeah, and then I kind of rose up again for a little while, and then then nothing happened for like eighteen months. And really, you yeah. know, oh, after that, did you go back to the Sears? No, that's how, that's when I became a bartender. So you're bartender after Young Guns too. Yeah. And Bloodhounds of Broadway. Uh, uh, oh yeah, this is well after Bloodhounds of Broadway. I this I did a a, a sitcom called um, Going Places. Yeah, which was it was a nice job because the guys that I worked for were, they couldn't have been nicer guys, yeah. but um, it was not a good show, and uh, uh, you know it was it was bad, and uh, the critics just had a field day. It was just like lobbing them like big soggy oh. meatballs that they could just smack out of the park because like Going Places. Going nowhere fast, <laughs> you know. I mean, just uh, we were brutalized, yeah. And we did 19 episodes of that. Wow! So that's the, why'd you have to bartend? They could say because work, right? then I couldn't get any work. Were you married with kids? Yet? Yeah. Oh. oh yeah, yeah yeah. I had. Oh uh, my god! So you're working at the Sears warehouse and you got two, two kids? No, I, at, at that point it was just my my girl, my eldest oh, one. girl. Okay. Yeah yeah yeah. But yeah. that oh the shame. Did you feel it? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and then the, the thing with the I, I don't I don't I don't drink I don't do yeah, yeah. dope anymore yeah. I don't smoke cigarettes I don't do anything yeah, you know? but back then I was still pounding liquor and yeah. um, I decided I was going to become a bartender but the ba- I got a job I got a job at the Red Onion down in the marina, you know and but the the truth was like I was drinking up all my tip money yeah. you know I was just so like you park it at the bar after work pretty much yeah I know that yeah one. Yeah, yeah yeah. And um, so then I just stopped. I just stopped doing Drinking. that. Yeah, cause somebody said, "I think this is a real bad idea for you." <laughs> and 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 um, it's actually my manager at the time. She's like, "I think there's got to be a reason that you're not working." And I think this might be it. So I said, "Okay, I'll try." And I stopped, and then I started working. Really? Yeah. That's when speed happened. Yeah, that's exactly when speed happened. Because yeah. wild. Because like I remember like seeing you in speed. I'm like, "Holy shit! What's that guy been doing?" Yeah. He's been he's been sitting at the bar at the Red Onion, <laughs> pounding tequila after his shift as a bartender. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And you were great in Speed. I remember really liking that character. Yeah. It was Did fun. you like it? Yeah, it was fun. When uh, I went in for the audition, he was supposed to be um, a lawyer originally. He was supposed to be like this butthole lawyer uh, whose BMW broke down on him, and he had to get to a meeting, so he had to take the bus. Yeah. And uh, he's just has a whole backstory, an abusive asshole. Yeah. yeah. And then I just showed up and uh, I guess Jan DeBont didn't buy me as that. And so they decided to swap it around and have me be like this yokel. Yeah. You know, from Chicago, just like this guy, you know. Yeah. A tourist. So that started the that started the ball rolling again. Yeah. Huh? Things got things got good. And then that, and then Spin City shortly after, or what? Or was no, that about a year later? No, about a year, a year later, and you did a few more movies. I did Speed, and, and then Star I did, Trek. People I did like a Star Trek movie. Kit's like a Star Trek fan. She's he, she she's like, oh yeah, Star Trek. Yeah, Generations. I did Generations. I yeah. did Generations in there. I did uh, a Do you television like being part of that mythology. Yeah, it's great. I mean, you know, those conventions—they're very, um, what's the word, egalitarian? Yeah, because it's like there's people that are like really wealthy professionals. Who dress up like whomever their fa- favorite character is, and there's people that are basically they're almost like street people. They don't have you know a it's pot like to piss Comic Con is you Com- were any of those. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. I yeah. mean, there's basically something. And you every, go. We, I have gone. Yeah, I have gone to some of them. And what do you do there? You just hang out and you are a whore and you sell uh, pictures of yourself for money. Okay. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and you can just do it on your own or you do it with a no. Sponsor there's there's, a, there's a guy I, I I met years ago a, a guy named Bob Catalano. Uh, uh, he's like he he's a, a rep for these things. Yeah, and uh, he uh, takes a cut. He gets in your booth. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. He, he takes his honorarium, yeah, and then yeah. you know he he sorts through the pictures, and you know him him or his wife Linda yeah. or some some one friend, one of their friends slides slides the shit so over. So they to can me ju- and, they just find like you know anybody within the universe. It's sort of like you want to just show up at this thing, you sign some pictures. Well, well here's the split. And I that's first that. met him. Do you know who uh, Ethan Phillips is? Uh-uh. He played Neelix in um, what was the one with Kate Mulgrew? I don't know, man. Well, it was it was the Star Trek uh, with Kate Mulgrew. Okay. I'm pretty sure. And he played Neelix. He played an alien dude. He was like real popular character. Yeah. He had you know he had shit coming out of his forehead. Yeah. Um, but he's a wonderful guy. I've known him for yeah. years. He was in Bloodhounds and Broadway. Okay. So I've known him for years. And yeah. so we were doing this thing called Ennsville, a little uh, 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 like 1999. We were doing a, an indie upstate New York. Yeah. And he said, my friend Bob is coming, and he's wondering if you'd sign a few. 
pictures. You yeah. Know? And I said, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. He's a friend of yours. Yeah. Yeah. And so then, um, so they put out this stuff, like a couple posters and some pictures, and I signed it for him. And Bob says, what do you want for that? I said, I don't, nothing. I mean, you're, you're, <laughs> yeah. Ethan's real name is John Ethan Phillips. Is, yeah. So everybody calls him Johnny, but yeah. his professional name is Ethan. Okay. Right? So I said, you're Johnny's friend. I don't know. Yeah. And they're like, wow, thanks. Wow, thanks. Yeah. And then um, it was the weekend before 9 11. And I'm out here working on Spin City because it moved from New York to LA, excuse me, when um, uh, Michael left and Charlie Sheen took over uh -huh. and moved out here. And I'm out here and uh, uh, Johnny Phillips calls and he says, what are you doing this weekend? You want to come to Vegas? You want to do this uh, Star Trek convention? And I'm like, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah. You know? And so um, I went and I made I made cash, you know, and I, I came home and I made it out just in time because some people stayed till Monday, but I flew home Sunday night. And then, because um, then, then there, were, there, were, there were, yeah, and then people were stuck in Vegas because there were no flights anywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know? wow. But I made it back. But but that became a thing you could do. Yeah, I, I did it. For, yeah, I did it for a while. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I might do it again. Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> what the so Spin City like that must be like just like the fucking winning ticket to get on a show that never ends. It was good. It was good. We were uh, you were working with both of them, with Charlie and with Michael. with Michael. Yeah, it's like, it's so like, it was like good and evil. <laughs> yeah, I love Charlie. I love Charlie. You know, he's the thing about him is we all have demons, but he wrestles his demons in the town square yeah. for everybody to see. Oh, sure. Like I, I don't mean he's evil. I just it's like you know Michael's such a mensch in a yeah, lot of yeah. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it was it was all good. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Charlie, uh, Charlie was in a real good space then. Yeah, he was a lot of fun to hang around with. My best thing about that show was I yeah. made friends for life. I made friends for life on that deal. Like, well, Michael Boatman and I had actually done a show together before that called Muscle. Yeah, and it was on the old WB, and we were dead last in the ratings every single week. You know, yeah. so it only went thirteen episodes. Right. But uh, Boatman and I became pals. They paired us up on that show, and then when. Uh, I auditioned for Spin City. I went to New York, and I didn't. I didn't think I looked that much like this guy. But anyway, I'm flying to New York to audition for Michael J. Fox, and people are snapping my photo yeah. at LAX. Yeah. And I'm like, what's going on? What, what, yeah. I don't get paparazzi. What the hell is yeah. it? And uh, uh, like, I got big glasses on, yeah. and like my toque, you know, my my winter hat on, yeah. and and um, this guy's like, I can't wait for the movie to come out, man. And I'm like, and I all the only thing I had in the can was Twister. Yeah. And I'm like. <laughs> It's mostly CGI, you know, it's like flying cows and whatever. He's like, well, how about one without the glasses? And I take my glasses off. He takes my picture and he looks at me funny, you know. So then I'm I'm in New York and I'm still smoking then. So I'm down in the street smoking a cigarette because I'm a little nervous to meet Michael J. Fox. Yeah. And this guy comes up and he says, God damn it. I saw you in the movie. You were great. And I'm like, what What? What movie did you see? <laughs> he said, the, the, the movie, the movie with Richard Gere. I said, I've I've never been in a movie with Richard Gere. <laughs> and he goes, But but you're an actor, right? I said, Yeah. Well he thought I was Edward Norton. They thought I was oh, Edward Norton. Oh right? yeah, right. And um so anyway, so I meet Michael J. Fox and then you know I and can then see that. After maybe more when I was younger. And anyway, uh uh so then after I get the part, uh I call I call home and uh, uh my manager says they want you to do it. And she said, And I can tell you now that Boatman's already been cast. Yeah. So we got teamed up again. That's you know? great, right? Yeah. So it must be, that must be at least a pleasure to go to work for someone. Uh, I mean, you know, we all had... See, Michael handpicked his playmates, so we all had the same twisted sense of humor. So right. it was just like... He's a great guy. He's a great guy. So am I making it up in my head, or did you almost die? Yeah, uh, it was actually that um, that same year of 9-11. I, uh, I was out in Los Angeles. I was out here in Los Angeles. I was still living in New York and I was commuting back and forth. I'd like work for three weeks, go home for a week, yeah. work for three weeks, go home. And I was out here and they still don't know how it happened, but I got uh, blood poisoning. Huh. I got a strep, streptococcal type G infection in my blood. And um, all I knew is that I was, we were filming the, like the last show before Christmas and I felt like I was going to die. I just had the worst headache of my life. My uh, whole body hurt. Wow. I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. I fly the next morning with Bostwick to New York because he was living in New York. At the yeah. Time. And he's like my nursemaid on the plane. He's like trying to keep me warm and he's trying to keep me- You got me, fever? Like, I had fever, had chills. I was a mess. And uh, my house was being renovated at the time. We were staying in an apartment building. 
and um, my driver didn't speak English. Hmm. He was a Russian dude. He didn't speak English. And I'm like, uh, and I became delirious and he dropped me off one building away from my building and I just felt like hell. So I just laid down in the lobby and like people were walking over me just like, oh, you know, Almost gay. drunk, drunk, yeah, 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 yeah. whatever. And um, some, I mean, I think it's just like, you know, an angel or something, something woke me up a little bit and said, get outside, get outside. So I stumbled outside and I saw my building, made it into my building. And my ex-wife was, she thought I like went off on a toot. She thought oh, yeah. that like maybe I fell off the wagon and, right. and was yeah. loaded. And um, I just collapsed and she called 911. The next thing I know, I hear, that was like three days before Christmas. The next thing I know, people are going, five, four, three, two, one, happy new year. I was out for like nine days. I had lost 35 pounds. My kidneys had stopped working. And my, I just, I got this ferocious infection in my bloodstream. And my poor ex-wife, they were asking questions like, um, "Does uh, does Alan have sex with barnyard animals?" <laughs> and she's like, she's like, you know, no, no. He, you know, Al's a little strange sometimes, but no. And they're like, does he keep birds? Does he hunt? Does yeah. he hunt? Yeah. All these things. And they to this day, they don't know how I got it. But anyway, I got this horrible infection in my bloodstream, shut down my kidneys, like shot like little pieces of crap up into my brain. My liver for like a minute was like, is the liver going to go? Because then it would have been curtains. So for two days, they were like, he's, he's not going to make it. And then after two days, I was like hanging in there and they're like, okay, it looks like he's going to pull through, but he's he's not going to be right upstairs. Yeah. Um, and then I started to, you know, regain some clarity and I wasn't any dumber than I was before I got sick. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh, well, okay, he seems to have his, his faculties, his wits about him, but uh, he's going to be on dialysis for the rest of his life. And then all of a sudden my kidneys started to get better. So I'm lucky. I don't know why. This is, this is funny, though. So I went from 170 pounds to 135 pounds. You know, it's like somebody let all the air out of my ass. You know, what I mean, it's just, it's not a good, <laughs> yeah. it's not a good look. Yeah, and um, and everybody's saying it comes back. It's first, it's like last thing to go, first thing to come back. You'll be all right. But they put me on steroids to help my kidneys get healthier. Oh. I went from 135 pounds to just over 200 pounds Ooh. in about six weeks. Wow. And I had like the big fat Jerry Lewis face. <laughs> I had, I got, I got fat like an Irishman yeah. does, you know. I had like skinny arms, skinny yeah, legs, yeah. big Ed yeah. McMahon belly, yeah. you know. Ooh. I had to buy special pants. It was really, it was, it was embarrassing. And you just did it because it was helping. That way, that was for my kidneys, but it was just like, I would stand in front of the refrigerator and shovel like whole, like, uh, uh, bunches of grapes into my mouth. I would yeah. eat, sit down, eat a whole pizza. Yeah. The steroids, the prednisone, man, it just makes you eat. I couldn't stop. Oh, I couldn't that must stop. have been fun. Well, that was good, but then, you know, boy, it didn't, fat. it didn't look too good. Yeah. Because so, I don't have a lot of bone structure. I don't have a so big now, frame to hang a lot of meat on, you know? Yeah. So if I watched that season of Spin City, are you huge? Or? No, I, I got fat after that season. I did an episode of Scrubs, Scrubs for Billy Lawrence mm. because he had done Spin City and then he did Scrubs. Yeah. Where I have the big giant face. And then I did an episode of um, <laughs> Queen Supreme, which was an Oliver Platt, Annabella Sciorra oh, show. Yeah. Might have gone a couple seasons. How's I don't know. What's that guy doing? I'm, I'm sure he's fine. He's a, a, a big, powerful presence, that guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Funny. I, I worked with him on this thing uh, about 15 years ago called The Bronx is Burning. Mm. And he played Steinbrenner. I just like, it's amazing that. Uh, like you're one of these actors. Like, even though between like Spin City and wherever you're at now, you kept working. I've I've been really fortunate. You know, even even I mean, not everything I've done has been like Succession. I mean, really, truly, I've been waiting for a show like this for thirty years. I really have something that's like really smart that everybody just raves about, and that uh, I love the material. Yeah, I, you know, I it's not it's not just that it's popular; it's that it's excellent. You know, oh so. for sure, man. And it's like the writing is like just tr the best writers I've ever worked with. Tremendous. How many are there? Oh my God, I don't know. I mean, okay, Jesse Armstrong, Tony Roach, Georgia Pritchett, British Lucy, guys, mostly mostly Brits. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there, there's got to be there's got to be like 
there's got to be like eight. There's got to be like eight writers. Yeah. And then there's, then there's people, there's other people that uh, uh, have the, the, what are the designations? There's like uh, uh, executive producer. There's like associate producer. Sure, yeah. Script supervisor. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah. there's the different sure. levels, you know. Yeah, so I yeah. think there's guys underneath these guys that are, you know, Like, I mean, I imagine bones. that like with, you know, I've done some TV work and I imagine with like just every new script, you're like, oh, wow. It, it's it's just phenomenal. How's this season? It's great. We're just as nasty and self-involved as we've ever been. So yeah. I think if that's what the audience is looking for, they will not be disappointed. And but the uh, but the arc is good. And like you know, like uh, oh yeah, I mean it's just the the great thing about these guys. I mean I I know I don't like follow it, but I hear you know that this is there's this whole subculture of like people like this is what's I think this is what's going to happen. Like right, tra- sure. people yeah. trying to guess. Like well that well that that turn at the end was pretty great. Oh yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> No one saw that coming. No, yeah. and that's the thing about these writers. You're not. You're not gonna. Yeah, yeah, you're not, yeah. You're, you're not gonna pin Crack them down. It. No, yeah. no. It just seems like the cast is so top notch. I've talked to Sarah. I've talked to Kieran. Yeah. I've talked to Brian. Yeah. I talked to all those guys. Yeah. I love uh, them. Oh, but yeah. Fucking monster actors, man. Yeah. Everybody brings their A game, which is another reason. Like you show up to work, and people are just like bringing it. So I mean, even if even if you even thought about phoning it in, uh, even if you're just like, I'm just not, you know, yeah, yeah, you can't, <laughs> yeah, you, you can't because there's these people that are just going. They're just go, they're putting it in fourth gear and going, yeah. you know. And so you better hang on. Well, it seems like well, Cox is like he's just a, a great, yeah. You know, they're they're all really great, and then Jeremy. Seems like uh like he's he's really in the work. He he's he's everybody's got a different way of working, and he's got a very specific way of working that uh, he attempts to keep himself in his zone. So if that means isolating himself and not mingling with the rest of the cast, he does it. If that means like doing tons of research, then he does it. He's like a old school method guy, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah, and you know, my wife is a, a really brilliant. She's she's funny as hell. She's actually a banana, but she's a brilliant dramatic actor, uh-huh. and she's been asked to go to some really dark places, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. But like she did this thing, the killing. There was a real dark season uh-huh. of the killing, and like between takes, she and Joel Kinnaman, you know, it was, it was like they're like, nur, 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 oh yeah, right, you know, because sure, right. they got themselves. It's like don't stay in hell too long. Yeah, right. You know, right, get out of there. Right. You know, so everybody's different, and everybody. How are you with that stuff? It depends what I need to do. If like if I have some big like uh, emotional breakdown scene or something like that, then I've got to go figure some stuff out. I'll probably be by myself, uh-huh. you know. But I mean, if uh, with some of this stuff, I mean, I swear, I just like I'd be in the parking lot with the Teamsters, you know, trading sure, jokes. Of course, you know, it's just what you need to. Yeah, yeah, I get it. So, but like when you're to make choices for this guy. The the relationship be- between you and the prostitute, yeah, who is not my girlfriend. She doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only guy, dude. <laughs> and you might be, but it doesn't mean you're not a John. Well, you know what? I'm not. I'm not. No spoilers. No spoilers. But I mean, when you like, when do you have to make certain decisions around how this character? Like, I guess I'm just asking you, like, w- your original impulse when you realize he's a bit delusional, which would would play into that relationship. Sure. But on some level, you know, this guy kind of believes it, right? Well, you know, I think it's just one of those things. It's like, you're great. You're great. Yeah. You need money. I need a girlfriend. Yeah. I have a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. Why, don't, why don't we do this? Yeah. You know? This is great. You know? I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah, he's he's on a, a little bit of a different wavelength, you know. And there, it's not that he doesn't get his feelings hurt, but you know, I mean, at some point, uh, probably early on, probably when he was like in his early, well, probably when he was eighteen, and he tried yeah. to go to uh, uh, business school and was right. just like, "This is bullshit. I right. can't do this." Yeah. Um, but he always knew he was going to be rich for the rest of his life. Well, he it's like it's like I don't need to work. Yeah. yeah. So he just has spent his life. He's spent all these years. Collecting things, traveling, reading. He's not a dummy. Yeah. You know, he, he, I'm sure that he reads more than Roman does. Right. You know, but yeah. he reads like stuff that was written 150 years ago. Sure. You know, sure. He reads, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. He reads Gogol. Right. Yeah. You know, I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he might read Faulkner. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, uh, but well, I think at this point in his life, I mean, I think one of the reasons he wants to be president is uh, that's the one thing that would make his father sit down and say, 
Wow, that's that's impressive. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, w- I would get my old man's attention. Right, right. right. Uh, and also, the other thing about Connor is, I think this life of uh, leisure is is starting to bite him in the ass because there is no group of people that need him. Hmm. He's not needed anywhere. Yeah, you know, uh, there's nobody that's like when Connor gets here, we can start. And there's he doesn't have right. That his, his family kind of treats him like the the well, the like of... the the dingbat. Yeah, you know, right. So um, the guy who got out of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, I mean, up up until, well, I mean, all through the first season, I think into the second season, I mean, the, the, there would be some decision to be made uh, by us kids. And I'd say, whatever you guys, uh, right. whatever you think, yeah, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah, I'm excited, man. I'm excited about it. So now that, like, that's been in the can for how long? We finished uh, the middle of July. Oh, so not that long. And no. now you're just kind of hanging out or what are you doing? I just, I did a little uh, job here in town because I was like sleeping in my own bed. Uh, a thing for Hulu called The Dropout about mm-hmm. Elizabeth Holmes. Mm-hmm. So I played <laughs> played this guy who was uh, the in-house doctor for Walgreens, the consulting physician for Walgreens, and was convinced that she was just going to like take them into like mountains endless mountains of money yeah you know yeah and so he he bought he bought her con uh hook line and sinker. yeah oh uh, wow yeah he went for it oh that must have been a good role for you it's fun it's, yeah. it's fun i'm just you know a fool yeah just well i maybe you're noticing a pattern here exactly. with the way their people are casting <laughs> well, me well you went from like you know sort of tightly wound yeah you know uh uh to just self-involved stu- to just stupid <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. As soon as you take all the wrapping away, then it's just you're just left with dumb. <laughs> good talking to you, man. Uh, good talk to you. Thanks for coming. My pleasure. So that's it. That is it. Alan Ruck, folks. Succession season three starts Sunday, October seventeenth on HBO. You can get caught up there on seasons one and two on uh, HBO Max. Also, if I think I think there might be a few tickets for Largo on Tuesday, the nineteenth, for the uh, Mark Marin plays music with his friends and has some comics come over. It's going to be me and the band, <laughs> Vivino and Brower and Schwartzel, and uh, Maggie May uh, is going to do comedy as is Bobby Lee, Bobby Lee at Largo. You guys, he's nervous. He's nervous. All right, let's play it out. Boomer lives. Monkey, La Fonda. Cat angels everywhere. <laughs>